All right, so it's been a good playoff so far. I think it's been really like some really well-played games. The stars have come out and dominated. Young stars are showing that it might be their time in the league. I see Golden State, team like Golden State is trying to get back to where they were a few years ago with showing a championship dominance. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, Phoenix still looks good, picking up a big win without Devin Booker. Dallas let one sl- let one slide let one slip late. Excuse me, but all in all, I think they look great. Luca's first game back, but other than that, I'm John W. Fresh in. This is the Hooper's Hour on Nothing But Net Radio presented to you by Dash Radio. Like I said, the playoffs been good so far. The better teams, I think the better teams should really show their dominance, special teams like Golden State and Milwaukee and um, Boston. And I want to get to Boston real quick because, of course, this is the series that every I think everyone is heavily watching, <clears throat> is heavily invested in, and is also heavily talking about the most. And I just want to start by saying... If you feel, you know, if you feel like Brooklyn shouldn't be down 3-0, that's one thing. But instead of talking about Brooklyn and how they look, can we just talk about Boston? Like, it, I get KD and Kyrie are still the names in this series, but I feel like, just in general, not us, not anybody we know, but just in general, I feel like we're neglecting how well Boston is playing. Is and that's only a side piece in the KD and Kyrie discourse. I don't know if you feel the same way, but that's how I feel. A lot of the conversations are going. Yeah, I feel like it isn't funny, and I don't want to get too personal with it because we usually keep that for the hooping pod <laughs> and not really the radio show. No. But I feel like, like growing up, you have your favorite team or whatever. I always thought I was like the biggest Seventy Sixers fan, but as I got older, I realized I was just an Allen Iverson fan, right. and I still find myself rooting for the Seventy Sixers from time to time. But I can't honestly really say I'm a fan, um, or whatever. And like the more and more we get into doing doing it doing you know the podcast stuff radio stuff uh i kind of i'm still a fan of just watching the game but as far as being really invested into one or one team i i don't really kind of feel that way honestly right. like i ch- i cheer for the hawks because that's like the home team right. but I, don't, I wouldn't even call myself like a super fan of the hawks really right. like if they win it's cool if they lose i don't feel bad about it or whatever right. but to, to get to the point like i feel like a lot of sports media is not just analyzing what we're seeing or what's happening. It's just more of the fan mode of people just freaking out about what's happening. And right. instead of trying to really realize, like you say, obviously KD is has played bad. He, he's played real. He's played real bad. He's played indecisive. He's loosey goosey with the ball. Um, he's taking tough shots. He's he's seeing a lot of bodies or whatever. Right. But people aren't saying like why it's happening it's just he's choking or it's just uh but it's it's like what is what what is boston doing to make him do that or what is he doing so so actually analyzing what's happening what are we actually seeing what's what what was he saying he's seeing because i want i I try to listen to the post game interviews or whatever i always think it's insightful from the coaches to the players i try to watch them um Whenever I can, I'm not gonna act like I do it all the time, but I try to watch them for real. But um, I think instead of just really analyzing to your point of what you're saying is uh, of people just feeling a type of way about it, I think it's because they just we just going to the super fan mode. And it's like you just supposed to do this, right? Opposed to because that's how you to end it. That's how you know you commercialize the game. Obviously, that's the entertainment part. Oh, yeah. of that. That's oh, yeah. the interest. I, I that's that. the business. I but I do think it gets oversaturated. It's 
very oversaturated with that emotion now opposed to actually analyzing and that's why I was just saying as I've stepped away from more so of being a fan that's just really how I look at it more like I consider KD he, he's the player I like to watch the most I can't say he's I, I can say that he's my favorite player, but Allen Iris is my favorite player. Right. Favorite it's like it's not, it's not getting confused. <laughs> right. Iris is my favorite player. Current <clears throat> people to watch, KD is my favorite player to watch. But I'm, but when he's plays bad, I'm genuinely not looking at it like, oh, he need to do this or that. I'm, just, I'm really be trying to look at like, right, what, what did he do different tonight? What, what is he trying to do out there? And I listen to a lot of his interviews, so, and I feel like he speak honestly about what he's seeing on the right. court. No, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I didn't know that's where you're going with it, but no, you definitely are 100% correct on that. I don't think people realize, even like, like I say, you know, from mainstream media to people like us, everyday people people in the media, there is a certain emotion attached to it that I feel like nobody wants to let go of. People don't even necessarily realize that they have connected to the game because like I say, before we, I'm, we go, I'm talking about Boston in a minute. I yeah, just want exactly. to get this. But no, but this is why we're saying that Boston, because Boston isn't getting enough credit. Right. I feel like they're getting back. They're, they're really, it's just KD's playing bad. Right. It's not really like what what's Boston so doing. No, yeah, like I said, I'm gonna get to that in a minute. But yeah. I just feel like even like the people that say they want to analyze the game and talk about the game in a real way, they're not necessarily. They're still not doing it. Like I say, even the underground media people who say they don't watch ESPN or FX because of these reasons. Like, okay, people said KD was you know how he was playing during the regular season. He was best player in the world. I don't think that's wrong. Yeah. He's having he's having a bad three game stretch. It's, it's terrible that it's happening in the playoffs for all eyes to see. But he's having a bad three-game stretch. Right. I told you this the other day when we were just talking. I don't take those. I don't care. He played great. That multiple foot injuries, Achilles injury, calf strain that led to the Achilles. He doesn't have the foot speed. He has to shoot jump shots regardless of where he gets the ball from. Yeah. Because he doesn't have the foot speed off the crossover every night. Yeah, especially. And that's always what he's favored to anyway, but definitely more so since he's since he's come back. He's always been a couple dribbles and get to his spot type right. of score, but he that's He's way, way, way as intentional uh, about it as he was before. He's way more intentional about it now because it's like, I, I don't have that person. Not even to that. He just doesn't have it. Like I said, I've listened to him. Every time he speaks on the podcast, I, I, I always try to listen to him talk because it's rare where you get to hear. Like, LeBron didn't really do a lot of – he doesn't really talk a lot in interviews. Kobe didn't do it until he was right. done, went old enough to see Jory. It's really Gian, Giannis, Giannis doesn't, Giannis doesn't right. do stuff like this. Kawhi doesn't. So, I, I, I think it's cool when a player – of that stature talks and talks about the game and how he sees it and stuff. And, but he's spoken to even second-guessing his own steps since the Achilles, and clearly that's still, you know, some of that still could right. be there. No, for sure. But to Boston, who I think yeah. is taking advantage of that, knowing even before, you know, even when he was, you know, relatively healthier, he didn't necessarily like physical contact. But now that, like I say, he's not necessarily – able to explode because he might have that mental block there. I think they're taking more advantage of it with that physical contact, especially having, like, I don't know, I think it was Jeff Van Gundy, I don't know, they were talking about how, you know, Boston is not necessarily a big team height-wise, but mm-hmm. they're fit, like, their body fit, they're filled out body body size-wise, like Marcus Smart is, at 6'4 is a big dude, 6'3, 6'4 is a big dude, like, arms and whatnot. So when you have players like that who can get up into players of smaller frames, KD, Kyrie, Seth, like Nick Claxton, 
like Goran Dragic, all these are smaller frame players. I think that physicality is starting to bother them at some point, and because the refs, we keep saying this, the refs know they want to play physical, they're allowing them to play that way, and it's just, it wears on you eventually. And Boston's taking advantage of that, having you get the younger legs with Jason Brad- with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Robert Williams came back and gave him some good minutes when he got in there. And yeah, then having that veteran leadership with Al Horford as well, I think that helps take Help is helping take Boston to the next level in the series, honestly, where they seem they had certain advantages on offense and defense. Yeah, and that's also something Katie mentioned in the, uh, in the po- his postcard interview, you know, just about their size and how much bigger they are. He mentioned, like, how is Marcus Smart to be the smallest person on the court? But, you know, Brooklyn goes to those three, that three-guard lineup, and it'll be Kyrie, Goran, and Seth, or Kyrie, Goran, and Patty, or whatever. So they, they do typically go really small, but... Right. um. I think, like, I, they showed a good graphic yesterday of just how, um, before the game or whatever, just how everywhere that KD moves and even Kyrie, they, they just give him the bump. And especially, like, as long as the refs aren't calling it, is because it's, it's been times where you'll see the ref a call, when, especially if the second, they probably missed the first one, but the second bump, they'll call. But they they letting them play because it's nothing, it's nothing real crazy it's just you ride by and you just touch you know you just touch him you let him know you're there you just throw him off his path a little bit and that's getting him to catch the ball where he doesn't kd in particular to catch the ball kind of where he doesn't want to want to get it because he's spoken to he spoke in his post game yesterday about you know trying to catch it closer and go faster or, or whatever but they're, they're making him catch it where he doesn't want to catch it and the, they're being they're very disciplined on the other man being there to help and like what we saw in the game yesterday was him being he was re- he was very passive he even said uh, Steve Nash said that he uh, I think after the third quarter when they talked to the coach he said that uh, he wanted to see KD be more aggressive uh, in the post game KD said he felt like maybe he should have been more aggressive but he said he felt like in game two he was too aggressive and that's where because everybody's getting the credit to Bruce Brown right because Bruce Brown is doing what he's supposed to do I want to salute him he's like making the shots they're leaving him open because his man is leaving him to go double KD and I mean if you look at KD's assist he, he had eight assists because he's making the pass and Bruce Brown but his points just aren't as impactful and, and Boston will take those points so Boston's being very disciplined on their switching on their helping uh, and just they're playing physical but it's not like being dirty or or being real obvious, so that's why it's not being called fouls. It's just little little bumps we all do when we in the gym and we playing that. You playing a real talk defense, everyone speaking to each other. The man go to the back and you hear cut a baseline and you bump him. That's what <laughs> no, they doing. What they doing. Like now, yeah, Boston and Boston is one of those teams who, especially since Brad Stevens has been there, but since Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have been on the team. They've always tried to be a good defensive team, communicating, being physical, letting you know they're there. And they just figured their offense would, you know, their offense would prevail in the end in the fourth quarter, which it has in game two and game three where they came back and won two close games, honestly. Yeah. Like, it's not necessarily like they're just overpowering Brooklyn to the point where it's like they're blowing Brooklyn out. It's the fact that yeah. K, they're minimizing what KD does and they're not letting – Kyrie going big spurts by himself. Right. And that's I, – I don't think nobody's talking about that. Like, Kyrie had a great game one. He had okay game two. Game three okay as well. Maybe a little – maybe not okay. But they're not letting Kyrie 
get they're not letting Kyrie get to the spots where he's getting layup, layup, mid range, three pointer, three pointer, layup, three pointer, which we see Kyrie do when he plays. Like he goes, he might go on a thirteen zero run by himself because he gets two layups or two mid range shots or right. two shots in the post. And going against a defender like Marcus Smart, who has that, even though I don't think the strength really bothers Kyrie, but he can bump on him in the post, and the refs not gonna necessarily call every touch ball. Right. Like so, I think. Boston's just being really effective defensively, and just real quick, Ben Simmons is definitely gonna isn't gonna play a game for us. So when y'all hear this Monday, that'll be the you know a couple hours before the game, and just a real question, real quick, because I don't think Brooklyn was gonna come back down from 3-0 anyway. But do you think Ben Simmons could have done anything to help Brooklyn win at least one game? I think Brooklyn has a chance to win one game either way. Uh, Honestly, okay. like they they it's, look, it's still man, there, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, KD and Kyrie, you got them on your team. Steph Curry, who, who's who a hasn't good played player. well either. They they these are some of the best players in the league. I, I mean, Boston could sweep them, but I just wouldn't be surprised if they won one game. I think the most that Ben could have shown, and like I, I just want to say. I, I, I want to say because I have to say it, not because I have to say it because somebody's making us say it, but you got to say it because you got to acknowledge Ben Simmons has had back injuries in the past. Um, I think that's why he missed the bubble. Was it the bubble when it was yeah, Joel yeah, was, was out there yeah. by himself? Yeah, and they lost to Boston. Philly lost to Boston in the first mm-hmm. round. Um, he was having back injuries then. He had some back issues last year. He has had back issues. So you can't dispute that that may be a thing. I don't think Ben Simmons ever was going to play, honestly. I think if they win, then they don't play. It's not as big of a deal because they kind of win and they got some momentum. They don't win. You don't play because the series is over because right. you're down 3-0. So it's still not that big of a deal. I don't think he ever planned to play. I think it works better for his grievance that he doesn't play this year. He's trying to recruit $20 million that Philly has fined him. Um, on the season, so I just don't think he played. I think the most that I think the most that Ben could have done by playing, and maybe it does spark them to a win. You know the odds when you're down three zero. I don't think Brooklyn is changing those odds, and I did pick Brooklyn to win this series. I can stand on my pick. I know a lot of people are gonna be like, "Oh, you you crazy?" I I, I thought Brooklyn had a chance to uh, beat to beat them. Boston uh, has looked like the better team. I think the most Ben could have done is just. And this, I guess, it doesn't show up in the stats. It don't really matter. I guess you don't really care. But I, I think he could just show the team that he's there for the team. Like he, he some defense. Some I said I tweeted he tweeted yesterday. Like I don't think I ever seen nobody. And I'm pretty sure it's happened. I'm 100 percent sure it's happened. I just can't remember. I've never seen nobody sit on the bench with shades on. Every time they're on. The yeah, side it just feels like, so okay. unengaging. Like he, he's, and I'm. Definitely thinking way too much into this, so whatever. But it's just like I'm, uh, he's so much cooler than everybody. He's better than everybody. I'm, to to be at a, a basketball game and sit on the bench with the show, it's just weird to me. But especially if you're on pe- team. people have questioned overall a lot of, and I'm, I don't have to give a disclaimer that I've defended Ben and Philly. I thought that him and Joel could have worked. Or whatever. I don't have to, to get that disclaimer. I'm talking about today, and if it sounds like I've never defended him before or whatever, I don't care. But it's always been out there, the questions about Ben Simmons' heart. How much do he care at LSU? They didn't make the tournament. He didn't really care. He didn't come there to go to school. Um, in Philly, when uh, the first coach was there who knew him since he was a kid, they say that he kind of he already was given the starting jobs and stuff like that, so he never really had to compete for nothing. He kind of got what he wanted. So he 
got passes for getting better. He left them after the issues last summer. Then he spent this whole year pretty much just watching. He could legitimately be hurt. You got to acknowledge that. But it just seems like Ben just always leaves something to the imagination, I guess. No, I feel you, and that's perfectly fine. And to your point, because you did say it, Boston does just – Boston is just a better team. I think we can leave right there. I didn't expect us to talk about it for down to 10 minutes. Yeah, they got the, but, they, they have the perfect message. And honestly, I think that's just what it comes down to, like all this other stuff, Katie and Kyrie, not the, the most skip, like none of that matters. Right. And I do think team. Jason Tatum is ascending to be yeah, a top a 10, top 10 player. He, he is ascending to be a top 10. 20, yeah. 15 like Jason Tatum has a chance to be first team All NBA. We talked a couple weeks ago that he has a legit conversation again MVP votes this year. Jason Tatum <laughs> is a player that could be the best player in the league. I think I said earlier, I said on past shows, it's like him and Luca for the next generation for me are the two that I look at that could lead that next right. generation. And Ant Man might got something to say about that. We'll see for if I need him to have a whole dominant year. So we'll see him in oh, year three. Sure. But like Jason Tatum is really good. And at the end of the day, Boston is the two seed for a reason. And call it excuses, call it whatever you want. You just got to look at the circumstances of Brooklyn. They haven't spent much time together. Um, Kyrie didn't play half of the season. KD got hurt. Seth Curry's hurt right now, honestly. He, remember, he didn't play the last like five games of the season. He's playing because it's the playoffs. He's actually hurt. Um, you know, it is what it is. Brooklyn, we pick we pick Brooklyn because obviously with the foul power of the two top players they have, you thought that they had a chance to win. And with a team like Boston, you wonder if they were legit. And Boston legit. proved that they are. They no, proven that they are. So salute to Boston. No, yeah, absolutely salute to Boston. Shout out to my, my old college roommate Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I want to uh, go to the Miami Heat and the Atlanta Hawks, who. Atlanta wins on a game winner by Trey Young the other night. Mm-hmm. Miami's up two one in this series. Atlanta got a win that they needed. Um, I don't like say don't think it was anything special. They did what they were supposed to do. They won game three at home, and that's all you can ask them to do, and that's all that the team can do. But they showed a little more. I think they showed the Hawks showed a little more determination, especially Bogey and Gallo taking advantage. Because I don't think. I don't think Atlanta really understand. They do have some offense, offensive advantages, especially on the wing. I don't necessarily outside of Jimmy Butler. And has Depot played much this series? Has Depot played at all this series? I don't remember hearing Depot name nah, call. Nah, he's not really playing. The Miami Heat are a really good team, really good defensive team. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like Bogey can take advantage Excuse of Tyler me. Hero or Duncan Robinson. I feel like. If Bam is if Bam or Jimmy Butler is and you know, um, Danilo Gallinari, who can really kind of guard Gallo for real? Because he's a PJ. My bad, PJ Tucker, and I feel like he can shoot over PJ yeah, Tucker at points. PJ. Yeah. Like PJ is gonna push him around, but at some point Gallo is gonna turn and shoot over him. Mm-hmm. And I see um, Bogey took advantage of that, especially in I think it was the second like, second quarter going to the third where he got a couple jump shots off. Him and Gallo kind of went on around by themselves. If you're Nate McMillan and you see. You can do that throughout the games where you don't have to – it doesn't have to be a Trey Young show quarter one through quarter four, 12 minutes to zero seconds. You kind of let – you kind of figure out a way to let Trey take over in the fourth quarter. But if you're Nate McMillan, how do you kind of 
I guess duplicate that again because they also got a good game. You also got some good touches from John Collins and not just in live pick and roll situations. But if you're Nate McMillan, how can you kind of duplicate that offense again where you get everybody rolling and take some advantage of some of those mismatches? I mean, the main thing is continuing to play Trey off the ball. Like, that, and that, that frees them up from the hand checking and holding that Miami is going to be doing. Um, because you do have players that can take advantage of certain things. So I'm, I would play through Bogey and play through Gallinari a lot more. And, um, you know, DeAndre Hunter, he gave him 17. Um, Atlanta offensively really is better than Miami. Uh, you, you could probably say that Miami is a better team overall, but I think just offensive players, if you go Trey, Gallinari, Bogdanovich alone, are probably better than Miami's top, top offensive players. Or they're right on par with them. All right. Um, so, um, I think you got to take advantage of that, especially with, like I said, good a good defense like like Miami. They and they're gonna play tough defense, and then that leaves uh, Trey slightly fresher, and then you could play through him more in the fourth quarter because you know he want to put the game away. No, for sure. And I just want to say something real quick because Atlanta Hawks, mm-hmm. especially just. Atlanta Hawks fans on Twitter, y'all just y'all was just so disrespectful to Delon right throughout the regular season. I hate that y'all even showing him any kind of love right now at this point. No, not all Hawks fans, but in general, Hawks fans were ter- Hawks fans were terrible to Delon right on Twitter all year. Like even I think every they all went to the. Uh, Dodgers Braves games in the in the um, conference finals, and Delon Wright, who's from LA, wore I think he either wore a Dodgers jersey or a Dodgers hat, and y'all was even killing him about that. Like y'all don't deserve the good play that Delon Wright is giving mm-hmm. y'all, but the team does and the team needs Delon Wright. And just to see how effective he is, even in that, you go back to the playing game, playing games both against Lamelo and Darius Garland, how he changed those games defensively. Do you think the Hawks at some point in this series, I know you don't like lineup changes because you feel like sometimes that's a bit too drastic, especially when you're not out of the series. But do you feel like starting the line right might help give the Hawks more of a chance because that's somebody who can guard Jimmy Butler, especially with Kyle Lowry missing game four? Like you have another, you have somebody who can go out there, A, he can get the ball out of Trey Young's hand as a point guard, and B, he can guard the best wing defender, the wing score out there. Yeah, and, and DeLon Wright, like, because he's a, he's a big guard, too, so that gives you a little bit more size. But it, the defense and, and the IQ that he brings, DeLon Wright, he's clearly, like, earlier in the year he played, he clearly was working his way to getting comfortable. And ever since he got comfortable, you know, he's shown what he could do offensively with handling the ball. And, and he, I think he opens up some stuff with Trey. But just what he brings defensively, um, active hands and stuff like that. I think those lineups are good for the Hawks for sure. Yeah, definitely. But do you th- so, like I said, game four in Atlanta. Do you give the with Kyle Lowry out? Do the Hawks tie? The, do the Hawks tie the series up? Tough one. I think that I think Atlanta can win this game. I think. I think if they move the ball, they share the ball. More people involved are involved. I'm always on the look for if Trey has 10-plus more shots than everybody else. <laughs> if he doesn't have 10-plus more shots, that means they probably played a good team game and they can get the win. Um, I think Atlanta has had, if not the best record, the second-best record at home. Oh. So remember, they went through that ugly stretch after like Thanksgiving to January, then win into MLK Day. We've had like the best – the Hawks have had like the best record at home since then. So I think the Hawks – 
get the win tonight and make it a little tougher on Miami. Nah, and just real quick, you saying that, you know, watch see if Trey has 10 more shots than the rest of the, you know, than anybody else on the team. I don't think people realize how important that is when the Hawks usually – they might win those games sometimes if Trey just goes off, like really goes. He got to have 40 in those games for the, the Hawks to usually win those games. And the Hawks usually don't win those games. If you're Miami, kind of knowing that, is that, do you think that's kind of, they kind of go to that game plan a little bit? Because I know they've been, that thing has been just don't, you know, nobody, if you switch on Trey, just stick on if you're a big or a guard. Do you think they kind of play into that and let the role players, kind of shut the role players out, but let Trey Young have a big game? Wait, say it one more time. Like, do you think Miami kind of they kind of use that to their advantage? You know, on that you know some nights when Trey Young does have those games, like he has ten plus more shots. Oh right, yeah, next, yeah. Next score, next leading score, the next best player. That the Hawks lose those games a lot of times. Do you think Miami kind of start that because you don't want the role players to get high, especially at home? Like say DeAndre Hunter had exactly 17, right. Bogey had a good game. Gallo, Kevin Horder hit some shots. Do you kind of you know shut out the role players a little more this game? I I can see that being a thing because that that. That is who you want to shut out at home is the role players because they're going to feed on the energy of the crowd way more. So I do think that would be an agenda for Miami is not letting Kevin Herter get off or letting Bogdanovich run the offense of the second team and stuff like that. So, yeah, I could definitely see uh, that being the agenda for the Heat. Do you think the Heat win game four? No, I got the Hawks game four. Say the Hawks going to tie it up at home. Originally I had the Heat in five. Without Kyle Lowry, I'll say the Hawks with the with the with the win. Okay, and so it's going six. Going six. That makes sense. I think Miami still can pull this one off. No, nah, that makes sense. That definitely makes sense. Minnesota and Memphis, I think, has been the most not maybe not the most entertaining series, but it's basically definitely been the one to show that how young these teams are. I know especially with the Twitter, with the Twitter generation, did you see what Desmond Bay said the other day about his his response to uh, Carl Anthony Towns saying they're going to Miami now? Basically, uh, he said, uh, "We finna go to Miami. We gonna take over your. We gonna go to your trap and take over your trap." <laughs> Shout out to Baker Fresh, first and foremost, RIP Fresh. But of course, you got Ja, and then of course, people feel how they feel about some of Carl Anthony Towns' tough guy stuff. Then Anthony Edwards, who's just a good personality in general. How you felt about this series? It's kind of been back and forth. Like, we get a good game from Cat. He helps tie it up at 2-2. The Memphis took care of business, came back down 20 multiple times in one game. How do you feel about this series? And do you still feel confident Memphis pulls this one out? That's what she said. In the end, I think Memphis will win the series, but I'm going for Minnesota because of Anthony Edwards. Right, sure. I think... Carl Anthony Towns this year has – I've seen a lot of people on NBA Twitter, like – because, like you said, he's been through uh, – you know, we all know what he's been through. They, you hear about a lot on NBA Twitter. So, you, you've seen him kind of play more emotional this year. And I think some people was all right with it before, and now they see him talking a little more, and I, I can see people not liking it. I think – Whatever it takes to get Carl Anthony Towns to play aggressive and really continue to show people why some think that he's in the conversation with Embiid and Jokic, I think that's what matters the most. I don't think that he is really a talker, but if that's what he's going to do, as long as he's producing, 
make it do it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I <feel> <laughs> and but, like I say, he's not in foul trouble and stuff. That that's what they don't need. No, no. And like I say, he's not a talker, but there is some nice, especially when he's feeling it and the team is feeling it. He will get to talking and, you know, just not necessarily, even not necessarily to the team, just likes to keep himself going because that's how, that's what a lot of players do in general. Like I say, I'm pretty sure Memphis is still going to win this series. But, what does Memphis need to do to take control of the series, which they had don't really have right now? Right. Well, I saw Ja in his press in his uh, you know post games, you know, just say he felt like he wasn't being himself. He First wasn't playing double in Memphis. Yeah. Right. There's the history in the playoffs. I'm saying he wasn't playing above the rim and and stuff like that. I think Memphis. Does have to go back to and first of all, you know, shout out to Bang because Bang has really put up some big numbers for them the last couple of games. So it's good to see like him what he did in the regular season carry over into the playoffs. Um, because I can't remember who it was on NBA Twitter, so, so my bad. But I saw them say, uh, and I agree, retweeted it, that Memphis second player needs to become a parent. That person needs to step up. I don't know if it's going to be Bain or Jaron Jackson Jr., but whoever it is, it needs to be them. And I said that during the year. Like, we know Jaws is the guy, but what, what makes you really a championship contender, like, it's always nice having Allen Iverson. He's my favorite player ever. But it would have been nice if Allen Iverson in his prime did have – a Chris Middleton. He doesn't have to necessarily be your level, but that next level guy. And maybe Bane's better. You know, it's rare when you get a LeBron Kyrie type situation or a Kobe Shaq type situation situation, but a lot of times you just need the the Middleton guy, all star level guy. He could close for you sometimes. Some nights he might even look like he's the best player out just, there. But just somebody take some of that take right. some of that offensive just team responsibility like right. shows. And that that could be bang for them. But I think Memphis they're doing a good job on D'Angelo Russell. Um I think Cat was we know Cat was gonna be a, a a matchup issue for them, but I think they have enough bodies to throw at Cat where, you know, you can disrupt what he's doing a little more. And I think they got to start back getting Jai into the paint. You know, he talked about Minnesota taking the paint away from him. Uh, you know, I know this year, I don't know the numbers, but I know he had historical numbers yeah, of points in the paint for a guard yeah, and stuff the, like that. Let the league and scoring in the paint. Right. So, obviously, you know, that's his bread and butter, and that's how they won a lot of games this year. So, they got to figure out ways where he can get layups. And right. even he's, like he said, trying to play above the rim. Maybe that's getting out in transition more because that just starts it up for them. Right. But Minnesota is a team there. You know, they got young, young ones too, so they can kind of go back at them with it. So, it, it's funny. You know, Minnesota is a tough matchup for them just because of the kind of firepower that they do have on their team, even though they're a seven seed. You know, they have players and potential where they can look like a home court advantage team. Right. And just real quick before we get off this, like I said, with Cat being such a mismatch problem, we knew it was going to be kind of hard to play Steven Adams in this series. Just, you know, especially then you got Vanderbilt playing at a good level right now. Do you think that's kind of what – Stopping, helping, keep job to pay because you don't have Stephen Adams out there to set those picks for him. Who really? Stephen Adams isn't a shooter coming off the pick. He might not necessarily roll for a bucket off the pick. He's just there to open that lane up. Do you think that's kind of what's affected y'all getting to the paint, not being able to have Stephen Adams out there just to set those hard screens for him? I mean, yeah, cause that did play a part in in the season, but. You know, he clearly hasn't been able to guard Cat in this series, so he hasn't really been a plus for him. So I can see why he's on the floor, but that is part of 
especially Steven Adams is a solid passer too, so he can hit him on some of those passes if you right. give him to him on some giving goals and stuff like that. But I think that does play a part. But either way, whatever it is, Taylor Jenkins is in the running for coach of the year. I think he got to draw up some easy plays, get him a oop or something um, to get Josh some, some paint buckets. Yeah, for sure. Shout out to Scotty Barnes, who recently was just awarded the Ricky. Do you like the new trophies for the awards? Nah, I like the old ones. Like, I like when the Ricky of the Year was the NBA t- trophy. and So, I just want to got a player statue for the trophies. Yeah, I wonder what the MVP is going to look like. I don't get why they're. It's crystal basketball yeah, thing. With the crystal basketball, yeah. Maybe, maybe, it's somebody, NBA, maybe it's an NBA 75, so it's yeah, a special edition said, type yeah, thing. You get it for that year. And, and you never know also that. That could just be what you get in the picture, and they probably get the other oh, trophy yeah. also. So you 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 really don't know, but I, I hope that's not all they're getting. Especially the rookie of the year in potential. I always th- in particular, I always thought the rookie of the year was the best one because they gave you that uh, you know that NBA uh, the silhouette trophy. I always thought that was cool. No, yeah, for sure. But like I said, Scotty Barnes recently awarded rookie of the year. Toronto Raptors got a big win the other night. This get keep from getting swept or down 3-1 in this series where Joel Embiid has looked looked good for most part of the series, taking advantage of the size mismatch that he's had. The Tyrese Maxey has looked good, taking advantage on some defensive mismatches where Toronto is a good defensive team. They're not the quickest defensive team, and Tyrese Maxey is taking, taking advantage of that. People now just accepting James Harden as a point guard instead of saying he's a struggling shooting guard. How you feel about that? I don't care. But he's been effective in this series, especially with his playmaking. He's been effective, but you could tell just watching <laughs> he's not, him. He's missing a whole lot of shots. You could tell. It, it's not that he's missing the shots. I've been saying it all year. It's just that extra it's, explosion. Oh no, I get from that. the hamstring. So he he's missing layups that he no, usually yeah. gets. No, so. yeah, I get that. Like. And that's why I didn't necessarily want to bring it. But he, that is he's, the he's, point. He's, he's playing the point guard he, really well. He is like, is one like because I, I feel like it's one thing that during some of that explosion isn't there because of the hamstring, so he can't get those layups. So even that burst yeah. for that dunk that he would get every now and then. But it's like I feel like it's different when you miss a jump like wide open jump wide shots open, as yeah. well. And and Philly, I think Philly got a legit chance to go to the championship because while I, I while I think Boston. Has a perfect matchup for Brooklyn. It's gonna be different when you gotta play Philly because they Al, Al Horford is has always been a problem for Embiid. So that that's key. But I don't, I don't know. But watching Philly the other night, and it's been confirmed that Joel Embiid needs surgery right, on yeah. his thumb. He said he ain't getting it to the season over. He going with pain medicine and his staff, and they gonna tape it up like they did the other day. Right. But. It was interesting watching the game and realizing, because James Harden, I don't know how long his next extension is going to be, and I, I, you know, I hope he get the most money that he could possibly sign right. for. I hate to talk about his money. But it's, it's just interesting, I just got to say it, that, like, I, I just feel like I feel like Philly could have won that game, right? And Joel Embiid has been doing everything he can to put them in position. But with having the finger, I think it's going to be nights where they need James Harden to just – just kind of give him a big night. Like, not every night. Get your 16 and 10, 20 and 10, but tonight get 30. And I don't know if he really – he probably could do it. Right. He – not even probably. I know he still could do it. Right. But I don't know how consistently he can really do it or if he could just turn that on. No, for sure. And I think if – I think if he could have taken off for them because, you know – um, 
like I said, Joel got the injury. Um, they were really swiping at his hand and stuff the other night, and with James just controlling the ball, I feel like if he could have took over, especially with Fred, when Fred goes out right. with like the injury, out, like they lost by what eight. Yeah, so I feel like if James could have gave them an extra boost, Philly could have won that game. Siakam was played really good. Though. I didn't realize he. 34 is a career high for Pascal Siakam. Shout out to the winners real. But that's his play. His play. He scored 44 in the regular season. 44 no, no, in no, the no, season. No, no, that's what I'm saying. Play, oh, yeah. I, I thought he scored 40 on Draymond's head oh. in game one of the finals that year after Draymond, you know, because people was killing Draymond about saying yeah. he's the best defender of all time. I was thinking he dropped 41. Nah. Like, that would have been crazy if you dropped 41, but I guess it was 31 because yeah. he did. He was going crazy that game. I always yeah. thought it was 41, though, so the 34 kind of surprised me. You know who Pascal Siakam I was watching the game, and I was like, you know who he is to me? Who? He Andre Karolinko. Not that they play the same, but remember Karolinko was a power forward, consistent all-star. Really good. Shoot, dude, best, play, best player on that team. But if they had not, a better... Pascal Siakam isn't the defender that Karolinko is. But not, no, I feel you. Not, not even in the sense that they're, just, that they're the same player. No, I get what you mean. But no. just being a power forward, really good. Like, But if he was the second best player, Utah probably would have won a championship. <laughs> so that's how I feel about pa- I mean, Pascal. Well, you know, Pascal they, they, is really they good. Williams as the best player with Carlos Booz, or they... Got to the conference finals. It, exactly. But remember, he had his run where he was their best player, oh, no, though, yeah. where he, AK-47. No, no, he, was, he was a consistent 15, 6, 6, 6, I, 6, 2, 3, whoa, Pas- six, Pascal, six, right. three. Pascal is really good. I think he's an all-star player. I think he can have some all-NBA seasons. He's not the next-level superstar player that I, you need. I think if they had a... a Either another player or a third player because they have two all stars technically with him and Fred Van Fleet. So they had a third player. I mean, I guess that's why he's Rick Eddie. They need a center. Yeah, because I mean, I feel like Scotty Barnes and I mean they play together, right? But no, they do, I just but feel like eventually us. they need. They need I kind of feel like Scotty is six ten on that team. I feel like Scotty, OG, and Pascal is gonna get in each other way. Eventually, because you can't Pascal not playing. He's not that he can't play it in moments. Pascal Siakam as your star center is short. His I would play Pascal as shooting guard if I play him as center. That's how I feel about his game. But no, I, I know I was, he's not a shooting guard, but that's no, how I feel about. And him I was also thinking about that because at some point, yeah, it's gonna be cool to run lineups like that. OG Ananobi and in no way is a shooting guard, and that's why you got Gary Trent. Yeah, I don't think because I don't think Scotty Barnes is necessarily even a full time three though. I think yeah, he's he gonna, a three four, right? Yeah, three four. Where he's gonna play a lot at the four, but you can have Pascal, him and Pascal. I know a lot of, and I hate to get in this talk because that's why I'm a. I'm not even gonna cut it to if they gonna who they gonna get rid of. But I remember when OG Ananobi was supposed to be a big factor. His development was supposed to be a big factor, especially as a two way player. I don't know if he's still developing in that way. He's still a good defensive player. But I feel like with the offense that Scotty Barnes is going to bring to this team and the defense, because he is a good defender, maybe OG is probably the one you get rid of because he probably. Cause yeah, I think he's the odd man out of he going to take the. Because OG. Like, come on, call it the bench. You always still can develop, but. I, the talk of OG being an all star, I think, is, is gone. So I think. Oh, Toronto. Yeah. I think it's gone, <laughs> but I I never felt as highly about OG's others. I, I think he's really good because some people thought he was like gonna be Kawhi, and no. that was the talk. Pull pull it up that that was his comparison for whatever reason. But I think if you're going for the future references, Fred, Gary, Trent, Scotty, and Pascal at a center, because pressures is nice, but. 
Precious is powerful. He he looks so small out there playing. I know it, I mean, B making everybody look small, but boy, he looks small out there. Mm-hmm. Him and him and Big O in Atlanta. Like I've tried to like I try to like O and uh, oh, Congo. I try to like him. I think he plays really hard. But I realized why they signed Capella to an extension instead of just like we're gonna play him be the star center. He, like he he plays really hard and he's really small on a lot of nights. Yeah, a lot of times it's gonna just, a lot of times it's just gonna fit like because you're not gonna be able that's 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 at the end of the day when he moves he has good runs of the game. But that that's that continues to be Trez's problem. He's just too small. No, no, so, yeah, shout yeah. shout out to him though. Okay. Say Dallas and Utah ended on a crazy game one the other night, and I think a lot of everybody was making the joke about, oh, see, Donovan Mitchell does pass Rudy Gobert. I I want to say it was Zach Dallas from Off the Glass, and I'm pretty sure that's who it was, but he said that pass was more so of not that maybe. I gotta find his tweet because I don't want to mess up what he said, but he was basically he summed it up to the defense wasn't expecting Donovan Mitchell to pass, and so he passed it. Because yeah. you see, they both do jump on Donovan Mitchell because they kind of expect Donovan Mitchell no yeah, shot. He, he said he usually take takes that shot, so the pass was open because he usually takes the shot. He don't even look the pass. Right. Like, so I don't want to mess up words. But, and when you see that, and it's like, I think what Rudy Gobert, 17 points, I think, on 9 for 18 shooting. The, honestly, it was Rudy Gobert. It was a good, it's a good Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gobert game. 17 points, eight, 18 rebounds means you probably had. Three, four, five blocks. Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert in the pick and roll. Should have they run it more in the series? Yes or no? Yes. I just think you well, never. Should Donovan Mitchell pass the ball more <laughs> as a pick and roll? Yes to that also. I just think you never go wrong with doing actions with your best two players. In the like, same time, yeah. And Rudy Gobert takes a lot of flack for what he does offensively, but I just don't think he's involved the way that he could be involved. No, you don't have to throw it to him like he's old one Shaq. But they could use him in more pick and rolls where it's more dangerous. Where, all right, we really can't leave him because Mike Conley, you 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 know Mike Conley at the end of the day want to pass. You don't want him to get to his little floaters because he can shoot with the left or the right hand. But it's just more of a dangerous matchup if you do Donovan Mitchell and him because now you know, oh yeah, him coming off of that, he's really looking to score. But if he can make that pass like he did, that just gives you a good chance of making more buckets. So. I think that's an action that they should use more. They should involve Rudy Gobert more. It was a good play. They executed it well. I watched real close to see if they were gonna like shake hands or fist bump after and he gave him the he gave him the jump shoulder bump. They was hyped. So they <laughs> I was like, let, let's see if they celebrate together a little bit. I definitely I definitely was that guy for a moment trying to see if they celebrated with each other. And salute to them that they did because, you know, at the end of the day, none of us know if they really have a problem or if the problem is so bad that they don't want to play together no more. Maybe it's just an issue of misunderstanding, and but they really don't mind playing with each other. Like we, you, you we really don't know. So it was cool to see that it worked and they celebrated right. together. No, sure. But real quick, because you talk, you don't never, you don't just get two all stars. You know, what I mean? we were talking, we were talking the other day in spaces about Utah, and. Where they're like their team that can get up points, they got a lot of good individual scores. 
do you think Utah's main problem is they don't have a second playmaker, especially with Joe Eagles first getting hurt, then get traded, so he was done for the season with Utah regardless. Do you think them not having a second playmaker is probably is their biggest problem, honestly? Like, not even coming off the bench. Like, if Jordan Clarkson come in, we know what he coming in to do. He think he Kobe still. R.P. Kobe. Like, he letting that thing fly. Man, that's a, he's, he score out the bench. That hit wrong. <laughs> no, nah, yeah, you do, but he's Utah has so many scores, like, even Mike Conley, who's never, who's a good point guard, has never been a playmaker. Do you think Utah lack of playmakers is kind of what a, a lot of their problems is most nights? I think that's what you do expect Conley to do, but he's just more so a run the team type no, of yeah, guy. Yeah. They got the people capable of doing it. Um, I just think they need their team chemistry to, to be there. Utah really has a team that they were going crazy. We done, we done said, I done said before, realistically, if you look at Utah's team, they really have what you got to make a run. It's just been the, the chemistry and just that, to me, it's just their best players playing to that next level um, or whatever because they, they have solid role players. They got a good coach. They got good leadership. You have two all-stars, all-NBA players. They have what a lot of teams don't have, honestly. I, I can't really say what Utah doesn't have. They play defense. Like you just said, they have offensive players. It's just always something missing. But maybe it's just with, maybe with that, with the, getting that win, especially because it was a big win. Luka comes back. Luka hit, some big, Luka hit some big shots. You don't want to go down 3-1. Maybe that puts some life into them and, right. and gives them a chance to go on a run. Right. And Dallas, who had been playing well without Luka, like they're going up 2-1 without Luka. Do you think Luka coming back, especially in the fourth quarter, kind of threw off everybody else's rhythm, or is it just a good win by Utah in general? It, you know, it's, it's funny because a lot of people are going to look at that and they're going to say, oh, Luka shouldn't have played. and But because you you look at Luka and, and you think that he's really ball dominant, which he, he obviously is. I think Luka does play with the ball in his hands a lot. But he, he gives up the ball, I think, a lot more now with the personnel that they have. And I think he kind of gets credit for because Jalen Brunson still got like 18 shots, I believe, last night. Um, so... And, they're, they're, they're still moving the ball around. Obviously, you when you have a player on the court like that, you're going to cater to him some. You're going to give him the ball. That's just how the game is. That's how it's always been. They had there. And for anyone that thinks they got a better chance of winning without Luka, like, you're you just crazy. Clearly, we said Luka shouldn't play because they have a chance to win it. So if you can give him more rest, that gives you a better chance to win a championship. That don't mean that they're a better team without him. <laughs> like, you're not winning the championship without Luka Doncic no, or whatever. So, I don't think Luka threw off their rhythm. I think he played pretty solidly, honestly. He took about his normal amount of shots. Mm-hmm. Um, he he shot a solid percent. I think he was 10 for 21, something like that. He had 30 points, almost had a triple-double. Like I said, Jalen Bronson still got 18 shots. And I think they, they, they had a good chance to win that game. I just think you, Utah's a good team. So, you know what I mean? It's the playoffs. They didn't want to go down 3-1. Um, it, it, it was good to see that he – I still don't think he should be playing. But it, it, it's good that he looked good while he was out there um, or whatever. So, I think, you know, that gives Dallas the best chance to win the series. Right. So, you know, the two series that don't look uh, – there's two other series who don't like they're going to be tightly contested as well, the Milwaukee Bucks and Chicago Bulls, who Milwaukee went up 3-1 at 
before this recording on Sunday and just a devastating win against the Bulls and the Golden State Warriors who lost their, who dropped their first one against the Denver Nuggets going up 3-1 also that was before this recording today on Sunday April 24th do you just want to see those series be competitive because I think like series? the Milwaukee and, Golden, and the Golden State series Milwaukee versus Chicago Denver and Golden State like say I don't think either the lower seeds were expected to win either one of these series because both these are also two teams who had dealt with injuries throughout some point of the season. Jamal Murray, Michael Porter for um, Denver and for the Chicago Bulls, a plethora of players outside of DeMar DeRozan and Nikola Vucevic who've been there all year for them. But do you just want to see these series be entertaining because like, the lower seeds really don't have a chance in these series? Or do you well, give Chicago a bit of a chance to make it interesting? I mean, Chicago, as long as they got Zach and DeMar, DeMar can do like he did the other night and go off for 40. They have a chance to get another win. Um, Milwaukee goes up 3-1 today. Excuse me. Um, and the Nuggets, they tied their series. I mean, tied. They get a win today to push their series at least to another game, another big game from Jokic. So, it is cool to see them kind of extend it because you get more basketball. But I know if I'm Golden State, I'm trying to end it and get some rest because, you know, technically Steph's – I think today he finally got off minutes restriction, but he still hasn't been let go full loose. That's why he's still been coming off the bench or whatever. Right. Um, or whatever. And then you, you get finally get a tough game from Jordan Poole today. That makes you even more ready to get Steph kind of back out there. But – you know, I, if I'm going to state, I want to end the series. And the Bucks, from the Bucks, I definitely want to end the series also because it's looking like Boston is about to wrap up their series. Chris Middleton is hurt. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know what I mean? You want to go ahead and wrap that up and hope that Brooklyn can get some wins and kind of extend theirs and maybe you can get Middleton back um, because, you know, I like Boston's chances without Chris Middleton and just Giannis on the floor. Uh they, they, they got a good chance to beat that Bucks team. So, if I'm the Bucks, I'm definitely trying to, to sit down and get some rest, but I'm hoping the Boston series gets extended. Right. And then we got Phoenix and the Pelicans, who who uh, Phoenix picked up a big win the other, the other night to take command of the series, especially with Devin Booker being out. I'm pretty sure they said he was going to be out for two to three weeks. He was getting shots up the other day, though. If you're Phoenix, you're trying to do the same thing, right? Get the series over with as quick as possible. Get everybody to rest, especially Chris Paul, who could use the rest. Devin Booker, maybe you can ex- maybe you can get him in there a bit quicker. DeAndre Ayton come off a monster game. Like, just fresh legs in that next round, regardless of who you play, would be the best entrance for everybody on Phoenix, right? Yeah, definitely Phoenix wants some rest, uh, especially looking at Dallas being 2-2, Dallas-Utah 2-2. So, you know, they're going at least another week for that series. So, you go ahead and get yours out of the way. Let Devin Booker rest his hamstring. Let Chris Paul rest his old man legs. Um, and, and you get ready for the next round. So you definitely don't want to play around with the Pelicans too much um, because, you know, they got CJ McCullough and Brandon Ingram. So they're going to make it tough. I think they both had 30 does a night. You don't, want, you don't want them to make it too interesting. You want to go ahead and take care of business. All right. No, nah, for sure. Do you think the Pelicans have a chance to – you know, tie the series up or even just stay in this series? Well, just stay in this – get tired of staying in this series? I mean, they're at home. Currency's at the game. <laughs> so they got, they, got, they got a chance. As long as they got Brandon Ingram and McCullum out there, who, like I said, they both had 30 the other night. Um, Brandon had – what did Brandon have? Brandon had 34. CJ had 30. They, they both very well could have 40 or whatever. So right. whenever you you have that two players that can give you 60 to 80 points combined, 
you know, you got a chance to win the game. But I think the Suns, they've been the best team all year since their 0-2 start. They, they've taken over since then. So I think they're going to prevail and get it done. I like when they're forced to – I feel like the Suns – not they they disrespect DeAndre Ayton so much. I think he can do so much more for the team. Say he's a, they didn't say he was a good. They didn't say he was a great center. They just say he was a great playoff center. He, and yeah, I saw that. And he he could do so much more for the Suns. Like he averaged eighteen as a rookie. He's kind of taking a step back since scoring wise since Chris Paul's there because Chris Paul gets his buckets. Mikael Bridges scoring has went up. Devin Booker's Devin Booker obviously, but. I feel like Aiden's a whole 20 and 12 type of player. And, you know, he sacrificed some of his touches for the team or whatever. But, you know, he, he looked really good uh, the other night. So, salute to DeAndre Aiden. And Phoenix better pay him. <laughs> Love me cash. They're going to have to pay him. <laughs> no, nah, they definitely going to have to pay him. Especially if he's going on another great playoff round like he did last year. And like I said, these playoffs are looking really enjoyable. I know that um, the viewing numbers are up, I think, the highest in 10 years, I think it was. They would put out the last week sometimes. I don't know. I don't care about viewing numbers. I just like basketball. I don't care who else is watching. But I want to say this before we get out of here because I feel like for the people that still listening and paying attention, shout out to y'all for sticking with us once again. But we got to stop making every game a legacy game. We got to stop making game so detrimental to players' careers. Like at the end of the day, and I'm I'll say it and I'll admit it first, but I will say there's also context to this. We did it. We also did it to LeBron. But y'all not gonna remember. I'm not gonna keep it. Sh- I'm gonna keep it short. But Bron came into the league, and a lot of people in the media say he was the second best player ever. Like early in his career, before he even won the MVP, players people were saying that. So I feel like a lot of his judgment is fair because we're judging him on that. We came in judging him on the level because that's what level y'all gave y'all came in, and still nothing he's done in his career has taken away from the great career he's had. Right. Like he still left an outstanding legacy that. Just like Jordan, Magic Johnson, nobody's going to be able to follow LeBron's legacy because what he did is so great. Kevin Durant doesn't get a pass. And just to circle back to this real quick, he doesn't get a pass because y'all never judged him at an all-time level. Even when y'all just compared him to LeBron for now, y'all say he's not on LeBron level. So no, Kevin Durant does not get a pass, but y'all didn't judge him on an all-time legacy. So guess what? I'm also not going to judge him on an all-time legacy. One other and this and this I'll let you do the outros for get out of here. But stop saying KD and Kyrie is a failure in Brooklyn. KD is signed an extension. They're real friends in real life, even though I don't care about their personal life. So maybe, just maybe, playing basketball together with your friend is more important than winning the championship because they just want to play on the same team. And I don't I think, think there's nothing wrong with that. I think people need to realize just because it don't work for them this year don't mean that they're, they're not, not like, gonna, KD signed the extension. Kyrie's going to be back. They know all the different... I think it's okay to know that Brooklyn had high expectations and to also look at context of why they are where they are without it being so dramatic. Like, at the end of the day, whatever the reason was, Kyrie didn't play this year. James Harden wanted to be out. KD got hurt. It's just it, a lot of there's a lot of different stuff that went to there went went for what it is. But I think the main thing, like just last year, KD was in judgment games against Milwaukee, and he comes out and he scores fifty, and everybody loves him. And now he plays how he plays, and now you question him. So, I mean, I just think this is an opportunity for him to come back next year fully healthy and redeem himself 
um, every player has had a blunder on their resume for something that they've done, whether it's playing bad for a couple games, whether it's getting swept, uh, just losing overall, looking clueless, trying just not being able to figure it out. I think it's okay to highlight it, to acknowledge somebody's playing bad, to call them out, to Absolutely. to, to right. call out why they're playing bad. Like, right. what are you doing? This looks really uncharacteristic. But I can't say a player that I've seen score 40 in the NBA Finals <laughs> is necessarily choking in a first-round series. or so. I would just say he's playing. Even if your stance is – Man, I can clearly see that KD's regressing. He can't take over like he probably used to, or you know he never, that even that's Ooh. fair. But like we we've, we've literally seen him hit game winning shots in the NBA Finals. Appreciate all the viewers. <laughs> Shout out to the listeners. Um, it's been a really good playoffs. Salute to the Celtics playing really good basketball. Like I think the Celtics got a legit chance to win the championship. I'm not picking the Celtics to win the championship. But I think they have a good chance to win the championship. Um, uh, you can catch us here every Monday on the Nothing But Net channel through the Dash Radio app 3 o'clock every Wednesday catch us on Off The Ball Network's Facebook page the Hoopers YouTube page and the Hoopers Twitter page um, for the Hoopers afternoon session 12 o'clock every Wednesday and of course anywhere podcasts are available just search the Hoopers Pod Apple Podcasts Google Spotify iHeartRadio all those cool places Follow us on Twitter. Just go on Google, search the Hoopers, and you can find everything Hoopers related. That's all I got. John W. It's Fresh X. And this is the Hoopers Hour on Nothing But Net Radio, presented to you by Dash Radio.